to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible ala ba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side. by looking at how the bible says in the book of hosea chapter 12 verse 13 how the bible says through by a prophet the lord brought israel out of egypt and by a prophet he was preserved that means that's god's system of preservation he uses people there's an interesting portion in the bible where our patriarch Abraham went to take a tenth to a man called Melchizedek and the bible says the less is blessed of the greater and in those circumstances Abraham who was known as possessor of the heavens and the earth by virtue of the blessing that was upon him was blessed by a man called Melchizedek because his um, Melchizedek is an enigma is a mystery The Bible says he is without origin, without mother, without father. He's just a strange individual. Uh that's the kind of man you would like to be blessed by, I'm sure. <clears throat> Because Abraham can be traced. But you can't trace Melchizedek, he's a mystery. So we have a situation where Abraham blesses Mel- Melchizedek blesses Abraham and the Bible is trying to suggest that Melchizedek is greater over there in Hebrews chapter 7 and then the bible goes on to tell us that when Abraham was giving his tithe to Melchizedek Levi who was in his loins was giving a tenth that means that there was a system of preservation that was instituted because in the tithe the devourer is pre- is rebuked so the moment that Abraham did that he invoked a blessing of preservation that came through the culture of tithing into his generation so we see there that god sends people in order to preserve us obviously the bible also says in the book of second corinthians second chronicles chapter 20 verse 20 going down believe in god and you shall be established believe his prophets also and you shall prosper so there are many there are many forms of preservation that god has put for us to use for purposes of being preserved and men and women that he sends a part of that strategy of preservation praise the lord so um i'm going to add acts chapter 20 verse 28 basically which teaches that 
Acts chapter 20, verse 28, which says, and I'm reading from the NIV, <clears throat> he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Spirit has made you overseers. The Spirit of God has made you overseers. The Spirit of God has made you overseers. And I know there are people who say the Spirit of God is their overseer. Yes, he is. He's the chief overseer. But he has put sub-overseers. And those are servants of God. Right? So keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you. We have been made. The same way you have been made into a priest and a king, as Prophet Peter chapter Nankane, is the same way that we've also been made overseers over you. So the same way you believe the word of God when it says, I know who God says I am, is the same way you need to know how God has made us overseers over you. And if you're obedient, you must be able to apply the word of God throughout. Now, this is obviously quite uh, a discombobulating portion of theology because it seems to suggest that some people have more power over others. And this is why last week we took time to explain the difference between a false prophet and a true prophet. And we came to discover there are some nuances there vis-a-vis um, -vis the fact that in the word false prophet, there's a word prophet. In other words, there's going to be some similarities. So we said that the fact that a, a true prophet can change a, a, a stick into a snake does not make him false just because the false prophets can do that. There's going to be some similarities in the way we function. We may all love white hunkies. It doesn't make me a false prophet. <clears throat> we, may all, we may all love, uh, I mean, I could be as cool as I am, but I have the papa color, which is red. Don't argue, this is red. Why? Because we all have pointed shoes and uh, crocodile-made, you know, crocodile-covered <laughs> shoes and, and, and things like that. So there's going to be similarities. But last week, we went into great detail to discuss what those similarities are. And we we're reading some portions of a blog that was suggesting ways in which you can identify a church which is led by a false prophet, <clears throat> correct? And then I began to show you that some of the things that they were discussing are actually pointing to things that we, the true prophets, uh, uh, practice. So if you don't know what the word of God teaches about who a true prophet is, just because there are some slight differences there, you're going to throw away the baby with the bathwater. You're going to say all of them are the same. Just because you found me with a white hunky, you are going to say, oh, even that false prophet had a white hunky. Therefore, they were born from the same mother. Uh, meanwhile, the Bible says that out of the handkerchiefs of Paul, and the Bible doesn't tell us the color. What if they were white? You know, a lot of people were healed. You know, they say use of anointing oil, use of anointing water, but we see those things being used. And I'm not denying that false prophets cannot use anointed water or they cannot... But even true prophets use those things. And I told you to be careful because if you hear the Holy Spirit, he's now going to tell you after teaching that can you take water and pour that person and then they are going to be healed. <clears throat> and then you are going to have uh, a show of yourself. So we looked at the differences between a true prophet and a false prophet. 
I also zeroed in on the fact that, especially in these last days, there's going to be a rising of an attack on the true prophets to fulfill scriptures. And particularly when I talk about uh, fulfilling of scriptures, I'm talking about the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, I'm going to read from the KJV. The Bible says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Maybe you can give me 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and give it to me in the NKJV. But let's begin from verse 1. I want you to observe something very interesting. It says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our, our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you. Now, Already the word deception has started coming out, and I want us to just mark it for where I want you to, to go. It says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Everybody say falling away. That word falling away is what is known as the great apostasy. And it means there are people that are going to depart from the faith. There are people who are going to renounce the faith. And you see, there are people who stop being Christians, but there are people who do not just stop being Christians. They begin to de-evangelize others after de-evangelizing themselves. So you are going to find a lot of people that are going to rise up and start saying, here are some of the thoughts that are in the Bible, and here is what this man of God did and what that man of God did, the one that you trust in the one that touched the whole world. And I think we went into some detail in the past two weeks to discuss that. I mean, you're all familiar with the, with, the, with, the what? with the documentary that BBC had come up with to discuss a minister of the gospel. And I began to show you how that the issue is not to show you who a true prophet or a false prophet is. Because by any sense of the term, they have never shown us who a true prophet is. How come they're only interested in showing us the false prophet? Or at least if they show us who they deem to be a false prophet, can they now point to us where a true prophet is? And they're not going to do that. Why? Because in the grand scheme of things, there is a strategy to cause what is known as a great falling away. So before the coming of the Lord Jesus, which is before the rapture, that's what the Bible is trying to teach. It's teaching the fact that there's going to be a great a great falling away, and we are in that phase. And the great falling away is going to be marked, I believe, by an inception of deception. Deception is going to be so high, and the idea, it's not a falling away, it's called the great falling away. That means not only are major people going to fall away from the faith, a lot of people are going to fall with them. It's called a great falling away, not of one person, so it starts by attacking the leaders of the faith. It begins by attacking the leaders of the faith. And there's a principle in the room of the spirit which is also biblicalized, which is to the effect that strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. So when Satan notices that he's having a lot of trouble going after individual sheep, 
he knows that the greatest strategy is to go for the big ones. Because he knows that if he goes for that pastor, that pastor is connected to 1,000 souls. It means he has gone for 1,000 souls. So he's trying to use a shortcut. And so that is what is being called the great falling away. And I say to you that the great falling away is going to be characterized by deception. That's why the first thing he says there is do not be deceived, correct? <clears throat> now, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he begins to say the same thing. The same writer begins to say the same thing when he says, the KJV, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there is a department in the kingdom of darkness that is called seducing spirits. There is a class of demons that are seductive. And seductive not sexually because some of us are the only one we know. If you are going to seduce someone, it means you are going to lure them into something. All right? Um, in the perverse sense of the term, sexually, but in the general use of the term, even, 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 I'll give you an example. There was this, there's this, there's this reel I was watching where this child did not want to take medication. So they take yogurt and they put on one spoon. And as the child is coming, come get your gut. As the child is coming, then they change the spoon, then they put the one for medicine. That was a seductive move. They lured the child into that kind of thing. And so, but we, it's a synonym, and it's not of first choice, but generally means the same. And so when it comes to seducing spirits, they lure you into something, and they lie to you. They lie to you that what you are taking is your gut. But as you come, you find the spanado right? So I'll give you an example. One of the major systems of seduction that the enemy uses, as I explained to you last time, is that of pleasure. Pleasure is a powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool that God gave all of us, but it can be manipulated. And every time you are about to get into a pleasure deal with the enemy, just know that it's a business transaction. And the question is always, what is in it for him? Normally, he doesn't tell you what is in it for him. What he shows you is what is in it for you. So, for example, if you masturbate or you sleep with someone outside wedlock, whether by fornicating or adultery, whether you watch porn, what is going to be in it for you is the fact that you feel nice. You know, there's that kind of nice thing that they feel. People say sin is sweet, whatever they mean. So there's that kind of pleasure that people feel. There's that wrong pleasure that people experience when they're doing the wrong thing. You know, so that's what you get. It could be for five minutes. It could be for five days. However you decide to indulge in that pleasure, whether it's the pleasure of having stolen something and then you eat the money, or whether it's the pleasure of taking something that belongs to another person by force and then you begin enjoying that position, or whether it is any of these perverse forms of pleasure. When you get it for a moment, don't tell me there's no pleasure that you feel. There's a pleasure that you feel uh, when you're doing what's wrong. So you get that pleasure. And that's what the enemy is selling to you. When you eat of the forbidden fruit, suddenly you realize you are naked. You never knew that. And it's true. Now your eyes have been opened to know that you, can, you are naked. So that's the pleasure that you get. But what are the consequences? In other words, 
what is in it for you, right? You, when you go to ShopRite and you didn't know how much an apple costs, so you get it, you grab the, the, the price tag, you put it on your wrist, and you eat the apple. You were not looking because you are on your phone. So when you go there, then you suddenly find that it's 1,000 kwacha. There's nothing you can do because you've already eaten the apple. So now you have to pay. And that's what the devil does to many people. He keeps them busy indulging in many of his pleasures. And then when they reach the till, after hanging out and, and spending their money in his shopping mall, then they discover that they must stay on his till. And what are you going to pay with? Lack of innocence. Suddenly your innocence is taken away because of the things you've exposed yourself to. You have, it's payback time. You enjoy it. Now it's time for him to enjoy. So, you, number two, you have no confidence in the presence of God. And you have no confidence in the presence of the devil. And you have no confidence in the presence of demons. And you have no confidence in the presence of angels. And you have no confidence in the presence of fellow believers. Every time you're around prophetic people, you're just thinking, ah, they have sinned. <laughs> you, you, your confidence is taken away. And then you can lose your entire calling. You can lose your calling because you can't function when you're going through guilt and shame. You want to function at your optimum and the enemy is always coming. I just want you to quickly remember what you did last night. I know you're about to minister, but uh, just make sure I have evidence. So you can't be effective. And whilst whatever you did lasted for five minutes, he is can, depending on how weak your conscience is, you can last five months, five years, and some people can absolutely fall away from the faith. So the question that you should always ask yourself before you indulge in whatever you're about to buy from the enemy is, is it worth it? You need to always ask him, you know, like that tricky lecturer who brings a question that's so simple. You need to ask yourself, where is a trick? This man, can, you know, there are those lecturers, you know, this one can't just bring a question. No, no. So when it's too simple, you're like, let me skip it. You go to the harder one. Because the simpler one, how come the question is one line, but there's 20 marks? And the answer is only three lines. So you know there's a trick to it. So every time there is a presentation of pleasure, from a seducing spirit, whether it's by gossip, you're going to make a contribution about someone, whether it's you're going to reach there and you're going to have the pleasure of saying you reached at the office at 7.50. Meanwhile, you reached at 8.40. And the only reason you're filling it in like that is because your boss has come late and you'd have avoided a tongue lashing. What is in it for the devil? Are you sure if you are like saved, like the born again which is registered, at night, when you go to pray, you will say, Gruda, sababa, you will pray properly. You will not have any problem. You will pray. You will bust out in other tongues, breathe God's air, and spread yourself across the bed nicely and sleep the whole night, giving glory to Jesus. So there's always a surprise. And you find that that night, somebody needs your prayers or else they'll die. So because you can't pray, you are dealing, you need, you, you the way you are, you need like two days to deal with your guilt. It means in that two days. And the enemy doesn't want, he doesn't need a lot of time. Remember in the days of Daniel, he didn't ask for too much. He only asked for 30 days. He said, just worship this, this for 30 days. And we are cool. That's all he asked for. But you have no idea what the enemy can accomplish in 30 days. If you just give him 
Kathetic days at Tekeniko. There are people who, there was a politician who was saying, Haka in the should just give him just, I don't know how long he asked for, to rule the nation. So just give me this period of time. Whatever he would do, whether he would destroy or build, there's no telling. But if you give the enemy that kind of time, so the question is, what is in need for him? What are his benefits? Yes, you're going to get your pleasure. Yes, you're going to get your money. Yes, you're going to get someone's money. But what is going to happen to your calling? What's going to happen to your calling? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's the same trick that was used by a man called Jacob. There is a pleasure of food that he used to seduce his brother into eating beans. But what was he going to pay? What was his consideration? In contract law, there's a principle called consideration. Right? An agreement consists of an offer, an acceptance, and intentions to create legal obligations. But there's another component called consideration. Everybody say consideration. And in consideration, we are trying to say, what are you losing and what am I losing? What are you gaining and what am I gaining? How are you? Good to see you. What am I gaining and what are you gaining? I should sit there. And what are you gaining? So, for example, if you are selling that, that phone, the iPhone, right? And then I say, I'm going to buy this iPhone. I've got a 10 quarter. She's got an iPhone, right? And then she's willing to lose the iPhone. I must also be willing to lose the 10 quarter. Now, I am gaining the iPhone. She's also gaining a. So that's what seals consideration. It's a win-win. Now, there's another principle in consideration called consideration must not be adequate, but must be sufficient. Let me explain that. It means it must merely have some economic value, not that it must be equal to what was purchased or what was lost or gained. So let me give you an example. If let's say she didn't read the contract and all she saw is that she could sell this iPhone to some rich man, so she figured that, ah, as a good person, then when she saw it, she now discovered that there was like a small writing there that is 10 quarter, and we've already transacted. She cannot now come back and say to me, no, I thought it was 17. Why? Because consideration must not be adequate. It must just be sufficient. That means it must have some economic value. In other words, is that 10 quarter having some economic value? It's having. Then it's correct. She sold. She cannot turn back on her words, or she will be what is known as estopped. You go look up a phrase called estopel. So here's the point that I make. Was the transaction worth it? So when she was reading that contract, why didn't she take time to read properly what the terms and conditions were? And that is a kind of transaction that happens during a temptation. During a temptation, all that is presented to you is the pleasure. You eat this apple, 
and you are going to be a wise man. But the enemy does not tell you that you'll be cut from God for eternity. You and your children will have to work hard in order to get things from the ground that you never used to work hard for. He hides all those other important terms and conditions. And so do not rush in the moment of pleasure. You need to take your time. I want you to tell yourself, take your time. But you see, there's an impulse with pleasure that sometimes people don't think before they make a decision. They just go for it because in the moment, there's a way that they are feeling. But that is what is called strength in the spirit. The Bible says, watch and pray that you must not enter into temptation. You see, there is a level of prayer that produces power to avoid temptation. There's a level of prayer that subdues the flesh. There's a level of prayer that reduces the impulse of pleasure. There's a level of prayer that calms you down so that before you make the wrong decision, somehow you just feel subdued. You just feel like this is a good deal, but I need to wait before I sign the contract. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so one of the weapons that you are going to use in this day and age is prayer. If we are going to avoid the great falling away, some people, the moment they watched that documentary, that's how they lost their faith. So there are seducing spirits which teach doctrines. See, what I was teaching you here are doctrines of law. So it's not every spirit that comes to say, ah, nizaku, nizaku or something like that. No, 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 no. There are some which will engage you in a very good conversations. In a very good conversation. They'll tell you, if you eat this fruit, you will be wise. This is what is in it for you. These are the things you are going to benefit. They, they are colonialists. They know exactly how to get what is valuable for you. And they're in all industries. You find them in the financial industry. You find them in the media industry. You find them in the spiritual industry. You find them in the gospel industry. They know. They know, for example, you see, they know, for example, that in an area, there are people that God has put power into to control the community. And some of those people don't know that. I'll give you an example. When Jesus Christ was born, the Bible talks about wise men who were able to see a star. Now, those wise men are astrologers, not astronomers. There is a slight issue with the study of astrology because it's a study of celestial bodies, but using extraterrestrial means extraterrestrial means it doesn't use science because the study of celestial bodies using science is called astronomy but then there's astrology and that includes horoscopes people who deal with horoscopes people who tell you oh because you're born in this month and they are using a spirit there are those who are known to just have used wisdom but most of them were called in the bible they were called wise men Okay, so those wise men are not wise because they are wise, because they understood the times and seasons by observing the stars. But some of it is demonic. So they, the powers of darkness can use their realms to be able to tell what you carry, which you don't know. You see, the man spoke and he said, you are Jesus, the Holy One. The demons were speaking through him. The young woman, and Jesus shut them up, and then he cast the demon out. The young woman in Acts chapter 16, 
was speaking by an evil spirit when he, she by divination was able to tell that these are the people of the way. You listen to them and you have salvation. So they were able to, they are able to look at you and tell what you carry. And they know what it is capable of doing in the next five years. So they can time travel and then say, if we let this girl just be normal, there's going to be trouble in the next five years. So what we do is give her mental health issues, make sure she dates a bazaukat guy, There is a proper calculation. There's a proper calculation. And the problem is a lot of you don't have the faith, even if you have not seen what you carry, you don't have the faith to just believe I am something. What are you? Don't worry, I'm something. Sometimes you just need that doggedness of believing I am something. So what they do is they come into an area, and in that area there are princes and princesses that God has set, that these are people in whom I have put the power to change this community in the next five years. You know, some of them are musicians. The moment they notice that this girl can sing, can sing, and they know that she has no support from the church, and they know that she has no support from any believer, they will say, are you, why don't you start singing in the club? They start writing them songs, they start doing this to them, and before they know it, they are signing contracts to become Freemasons. And what now begins to happen is now the songs they release, because you see, they are already conduits of power. There are people whose spirits were created in such a way that they are conduits of power, whether by God or by demons. So you find that because they are already conduits of power, Satan will now get them on their team and use them to spread nonsense to the whole world. A lot of people that should have been singing proper songs today, they missed it somewhere. You see, people come and say, the church did not support me, but I had a gift. The purpose of the church is not to support you because of your gift. The purpose of the church is to benefit from your gift. That's the first purpose of the church. The church, the purpose of the church is so that your gift is benefited from. What, and all those gifted people in different ways, not just musicians, in different ways, you need to know. Your question must be, how can I be of benefit to the body of Christ? That should be your question. Not how can I benefit from the body of Christ? How can I be of benefit to the agenda of God? Because I tell you that there are many blessings that God has set for your prosperity in the market world. Your, your issue is to find out, Lord, what would you want me to do with this kind of gift so that I can get money, squeeze money from the outside world and bring it into the church? Not how can I get from the church. And God will help you in Jesus' name. One day, and I will not mention names, one day the Lord took me into a vision when I had just finished school. And he showed me, we went into a tree, what I remember to be a tree. But in that tree, it's like the clouds, and then there was a tree. Okay, let me straighten it. So I went into this place, and then I saw someone seated on a dark throne. And the, in, the being who was sitting in a dark throne was surrounded by a lot of famous artists. And then they were pointing to a particular girl. And they said, she's becoming too powerful. Before we lose her, why don't we bring her so that she can be a part of us? She will not be difficult. You just have to do ABC. And the being someone, and some of our close friends, who were telling her, you're doing great, continue what you're doing, went and picked her up and took her there. And she was nervous. She couldn't believe what was happening. She couldn't believe everything that she had heard about was true. 
But they told her what was in it for her, and they were asking her to sign so that she could sell her soul, so that she could be part of their, their WhatsApp group and things like that. And the Lord was making me understand where the world is. And so she joined, and afterwards she just blew up like no man's business. You see that? Don't envy people in the world. You don't know what is supporting them. You don't know what is pushing them. Don't be one of those people who say, eh, people in the world, people in the world, I love the way they support each other. So you want you now join the world so that that person can support you, then the person doesn't end up even supporting you. You don't know what that person paid in order for that person. And you don't know maybe that one they supported and he didn't pay. It was a stunt. You can't trust the world. Praise the Lord. You see, the success of a calling is not in merely being successful, but in the fact that it was executed regardless of the success or absence thereof. So when Jesus came to preach, it's not everybody that believed in him. Even today, there are people who don't believe in him. Did he fail? Mm -hmm. Was he successful? Yes. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, no, people have not listened to my music, people have, don't support me, does not mean you have failed. It is whether you executed the assignment that was given to you by God or you didn't. That's what counts. Sometimes you may not be able to control whether people accept what God has given you or not. But importantly, you must do what God told you to do. The things that God has placed in your spirit must come out. You must not go to heaven with them or to the grave with them. That's why uh, Dr. Miles Monroe of Blessed Memory says, says, the grave is the richest part of the earth. Then his argument is because there are books that never came out there. There are business ideas that never came out. There's money that should have come out of some people that never came out. So when you go there, it's not the gold mine which is the richest. It is the graveyard which is the richest Praise the Lord. So there's going to be a great falling away because people will give heed to seducing spirits. So there will be seducing spirits. Forces, you see, there will be, there will be articles you are going to read. I'll tell you this. Yesterday, I came across an AI on, 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 on Google Play. You know, AI is in that place where when you, when you pay very close attention, you can tell that, okay, the lips are wrong here. I know this is, the voice is correct. The movements are correct. But uh, I know this is not in, in real time, this is not a person. You know, I was typing, invite people to the House of the Faith Church, da, 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 da. And this white lady, she shows up and she begins saying, I'm inviting you to church tomorrow at 10 hours at the House of the Faith Church at Indeco. I'm like, <laughs> All you do is you feed it language and it will regurgitate everything that you had instructed it to. And now, last I saw AI, its accuracy was weak. Now I could tell that it's more accurate. Ten years from now, it will be very difficult to tell who is fake and who is real. Because now will be, it will behave like a familiar spirit. It will have my mannerisms of expression. It can move like me. And it will have my voice. It will have my finger. It will be, you, you'll be able to tell that, hey, Pastor Daniel, how could he say that? And all of you will be looking like you are green, yet they are lying.
So now I'll tell you this, that I think that's a beautiful invention. And God is going to use it for amazing things, to preach the gospel, to do this. There's a lot of things. I mean, if I just take my avatar, a proper avatar 10 years from now, and I feed it my same one, and it's now going, I feed it my movements, and I send it to China, whether as a hologram, and people are sitting there, and it's preaching to them the way I'm preaching to you. The only thing is if you touch it, you are able to pass through. But I believe that's where the holograms are going to. That's powerful. That's replicating ourselves. It would be so easy to preach the gospel. I mean, I don't think I'm as excited about it because I would rather appear supernaturally in China. Because that, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> that would be cool. That would be cool. And I'm looking forward to that. Because, you see, I have read amazing stories. There's this great man of God that I loved so much. And one day, he woke up in the morning. And he began to check himself. He was wet. His feet were wet. And he goes to his jacket. His jacket was smelling of how the banana plantations in Thailand were smelling. And then he had a dream. He was in South Africa. He had a dream that he went to Thailand and he appeared in the banana plantations. And then there were the farmers there. Now there were a lot of them, about 70, and they couldn't understand Africans or English. So by the gift of tongues and in, interpretation of tongues, he began to preach to them the gospel. And when he was done preaching the gospel, they were so convicted, they came around him. And then he began to pray and lead them to Christ. And when he led them to Christ, as they were praying, he was whisked away from them. And he wakes up and he finds he was dreaming. So he, he wakes up, he goes to check Thailand, he marks it, he writes everything down, he tells his wife. And then he announces this conference that we are going to have some years later. And then he sees a group of people sitting there and they come to tell him, he say, we want to just thank you because I've forgotten the time. Three years ago, when we were in the plantations, you came to preach to us. We are so grateful. Now we have started this ministry as a result of that. And he goes to tell his wife, only his wife, he says, do you remember that day? He has never been to Thailand. I mean, how cool is that? <clears throat> no, problem, you think witches are powerful. God can double what they can do. Remember, remember. The fact that a witch can turn a snake, a, there's a turning somewhere, doesn't mean that <clears throat> a true prophet cannot do that. That means, you see, there's a gift in the spirit called the gift of workings of miracles. And one of the reasons why we have not seen that gift among Christians is because we've been exposed to too much magic. So when we begin seeing that, we begin associating it to magic. Meanwhile, it's the power of God that is working to turn water, wine into water into wine, to turn stones into bread, to multiply food. There is a power in the Holy Spirit that can multiply your money in the bank account. There is a power in the Spirit of God that can, in the night it is dark, there are 50 junkies, it suddenly creates a light and it blinds all of them and only you are not getting blind. There is a power in God that works miracles. That can suddenly bring clients to you. And the instruction can be as weird as a witchcraft's instruction, a witch doctor's instruction. You go in the morning at six hours, spread your hand and speak in tongues for 15 minutes. Imagine your God is looking at you doing that. <laughs> Imagine Philip wanted to go somewhere to preach. The Spirit of God wants him to go somewhere to preach. 
and there's no transport. Guess what? It, the Bible says he dematerialized. He just disappeared and appeared there. <clears throat> there is a power in God that will cause you to appear to people to invite them into church. I say, hey, I saw this girl in my dream. She was inviting me to church. You can't remember, but the Spirit of God says, yes. And you say, oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> because you know you're not working alone. Hallelujah. You see, in these days, I'm going to show you, but a time is coming where there's going to be miracles that the kingdom of darkness is going to be performing. But like what Moses did, that was a prophecy. We must double that. You see, even during the days of Elijah, even during the days of Elijah, it happened that there were magicians there and they had a deal. They said, okay, you see, we are, going to, we are going to cause fire to come from heaven and consume this thing. And I will show you in a few minutes that they were not bluffing. That power is there in the Bible for witches to do that. I will show you. So now what happens, what happens is, you see, they wanted to do that. They begin cutting themselves because no matter how much they enchanted and they prayed and they tried to perform their tricks, it wasn't just happening. Now, those were not stupid. I wouldn't dare try it if I know it never works. Those were adults with children, with families, with wives. If they knew it was not going to work and their necks would be on the table, they were not going to try it. But they went ahead and tried it because they knew they'd done this thing before. I mean, they did it in the day of Moses. So they knew even now we were going to do it. But something happened. Something slightly different from what happened during the day of Moses. This time around, when they tried it, it never worked. They called on their God to cause it to rain fire. And it was just not raining fire. It was raining nothing. <laughs> Why? Because when two powers meet, the lesser power bows. The higher power is the one that walks. Head up, chin up, square shoulders. Hallelujah. And he began to mock them. Elijah began to mock them. He says, where is your, you people, where is your God? When he noticed it's been a few hours, it's not working. He started saying, he's on Twitter. <laughs> Can you get him? Kutamba maningi mariu, bao. Enzo tamba mariu, papa, Facebook, alanga na kariwa, seka. So, he was saying to them, oh, maybe, oh, no, 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 these days, kulikolera, maybe your God is, <laughs> is in the toilet of Amupeleka, Kuiro Stadium. He began to mock them. He began to mock them. And then he says, all right, boys, it's time for the big guns. Hey! <laughs> I know they told you that God doesn't like showing off. <laughs> and now I'm showing you the words. And then now he says, he said, guess what he did? He says, okay, I want you to build a fresh altar. They built it with 12 stones. And then he says, okay, you are done? Guess what? He says, pour water in it. And they poured water. He said, are you done? They said, yes. He said, ah, they poured more water. And then he says, okay, now you can put wood. They put wood. And they're wondering, with water, it's fresh. As if that's not enough. He says, now pour water on the, on the firewood. They say, eh, this guy is from for Bragadosho. <laughs> He's from Bragadosho. So, yes. And they pour water. He says, is that the only water you have? Go and fetch from the river. They fetch, they pour. He says, okay, okay. Then he says, okay, now you can put the boo. They say, oh, they put the boo there after cutting it. He says, now pour water on top. They say, hey, okay. And then he made a prayer. The Bible says the fire came and licked the water first. 
then went to lick the sacrifice. And that's how he got all their necks, chopped them one by one, Elijah. <laughs> On his chopping board, he killed all of them. That's what the Bible tells us, he killed all of them. Yeah, because in the day it was allowed. <clears throat> we are not going to kill anyone <clears throat> in your day. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So I believe God is going to start working strange miracles. Not those that, ah, in all things, the Bible says to give thanks to God. And we must be able to recognize the small movements of God in his throne. But now it will be too much that you just fall and start recognizing him. You know, most of the times you're like, I think that was God. No, this time you will not think. It will just be there. At, hey! Hallelujah. But there's going to be one of the greatest signs of the great falling away is that there's going to be deception. See, so he says, these demons, seducing spirits, they also have doctrines. They've got things that they teach. And most of them are not, shaka shaka, throw two bones. No, 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 no. Most of those teachings, most of those teachings are described by conversations that you have. Conversations that you have with your friends that are not inspired by the spirit, but that are inspired by a spirit. The things that you are going to be doing. You are married, you are hanging out with this guy, and he's telling you some of the things that he has done outside his, his, his marriage bed. And you are inspired to give it a try. Those are doctrines taught by demons. Remember, they are, these, are, they, these, are, you see, these, these are demons that wear suits. They are not the ones which come in Masenkebede. No, 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 no. They are found in the corporate world. They are found on social media. So there is a way they present themselves because they know that you, if they come like those other ones in the other class, you will freak out. You will run to Jesus. So they will not do that. They will not do that. They are in the conversations that you are going to be having. They are in the posts that you are going to be reading that contradict the teachings of the Lord Jesus. They are in the structures of your workspaces. Hmm. There are doctrines. Some people are so entrenched in those things. You know, I was talking to a very famous secular artist. Uh, I know a number of them. I will just never take a selfie with them. <laughs> they know me. So one day I was talking to this artist who wrote a beautiful song for a gospel artist. And that song is very famous and we all sing it. But we, you don't know that he's the one who wrote it. All you know is a gospel artist. So I was saying to him, but why haven't you gone back to the gospel? You? But so I don't know. How did you even write it? Which side of the bed did you sleep in for you to receive that song? Then he says to me, Ah, no, I can't come. I said, why can't you come? He says, hmm, let me be honest with you. I have built my life around those things I do. The gigs that he does, the contracts that he has. That if I left those things, I would have left my life. So some, sometimes you become so entrenched in something that you stop seeing it for what it is. You know, there are people who are in so very toxic relationships that they've become used. You can keep telling this girl, can you break up with this fool? Oh, this gentleman. <laughs> Sorry, I, I normally... 
And he will, she will keep going back. They would have beaten her blue black. She don't report, don't report. She'll go back. Because she saw you. And some of them say, the things I have done with this gentleman, if I left him, who will love me? It's a doctrine taught by demons. They believe that, they, I don't know whatever they did, they believe that it's beyond redemption. So sometimes, you know, people even say, Chipuba Chandi, leave him for me. So they know he's a fool. But they are bigger because they know and they don't want to depart. They are a bigger fool. In fact, for them, no, no, you see, listen, listen, let me not judge you. <clears throat> let me not judge you. Let me not judge you a lot. <laughs> let me reduce. So, they are so attached to that toxic relationship that they look like toxic. They are toxina now. It's very difficult to live. And that is the aim of Satan. That's the principle of a habit. When you have a habit, then we withdraw demonic resources because now it's no longer a demon making you do those things. Your brain, the physiological structures and processes of your mind have been altered in order that, in order that that habit can flow freely without being pushed by spirit. That's how an addiction works. That's how a habit works. You have built structures within your soul and within your mind, within your, your heart, that you don't need a whisper. You just need to wake up and do it. You have become one with the habit. So the demons will now say, no, 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 this is our guy. Don't waste time on this one. They will go, you see, temptation is not for everyone. Temptation is for those who are proper. Sinners never get tempted. They just have chilaka to go do what they want to do. It's not even a temptation. They don't need it. Why should a sinner be tempted? If a sinner comes to tell you, I was tempted to do it, just say, okay. You understand what they mean. It means that it was triggered. All they have are triggers. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Temptations are for the righteous because they're the ones who need to be pushed to do the wrong thing. So the aim of Satan is to get people so entrenched into the system of doing wrong. But it's going to start with a seducing spirit. This class of demonic structures that have been so properly organized by Satan, orchestrated from the pit of hell, so that they can be part of your classrooms, so that they can be part of the church, nicely seated next to you, properly serving in a department with you. but with an agenda. Not every saint is a saint. Some are saints. <laughs> so, one of the greatest tools, and this is important, one of the greatest tools we are going to be seeing in the last days is the weapon of deception. It's a weapon of deception. And seducing spirits are going to be uh, championing it. And they are going to lead into the great falling away. See that? When we read again the book of Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, the Bible reads, For there shall arise, Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, 
I want us to read together. One, two, three, go. Stop there. Force, force. Now remember, they will look like men of God. They will look like genuine guys. But there is an adjective that is describing them, which is force. For there shall arise forced, not one, there will be a number. And even now they are there. Forced Christ, because you see, the word Christ does not merely mean uh, Jesus. Christ is a body. The body of Christ. Meaning there will be forced members as well. And when I... You people only know about a false prophet. I will come and teach signs of a false member here very soon. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets. Are you seeing that? These are the last days. He's talking about the last days. And shall show. What are they going to do? And... Are you seeing why I'm saying that you must believe in miracles? Because some of you will be taken away easily because you've seen a miracle somewhere. And they're going to work miracles. But God is going to be doubling them. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to look at the next sentence. It says, Deception comes in again. This is why it's not everything that you see with an AI, with, with, uh, with uh, documentaries, you should just say, oh, I never knew. But what evidence is there for you to never knew? <laughs> you see, with the kind of training I have had, we just don't listen to one side of the story. We watch until the person is cross-examined and contrary evidence is brought. Then you say, ah, I just wanted to see something. I didn't mean to. Imagine listening to Potiphar's wife firsthand. You listen to Potiphar's wife. There were no cameras there. There were no cameras. So when they listened to her, the way she was looking, I was just minding my own business. And everybody was out of the house. And then I trust Joseph, so I called him. And then he came into the house. Before he knew, I knew it. He pointed a sword to my neck, and she even harmed herself a bit here. <laughs> and he said, undress, or else I'm going to cut your life short. <laughs> mm. Take your time, ma'am. Take your time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And then he told me, no woman should ever go through this. And then he told me, if you don't take off your clothes, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I couldn't scream. I couldn't shout because he overpowered me. But thank God we heard footsteps. And he ran away. But as he was running away, I held on to his skirt. (gasps) Ah. 
It's okay, mom. It's okay. <laughs> we are reporting live from BBC, and we are seeing a situation where. And now we have, and now we have the, the, the chief, the chief of staff, to make a comment. We would like to just state it to the country that this kind of breach will never occur again. Our team is working around the clock to make sure that <laughs> to make to make sure that misfits like Joseph go to prison and they never see the light of day. But we want to assure you that our is safe. And we have brought the best counselors to make sure that she's properly attended to. And we approached Potiphar for a comment, but he couldn't say because he was so devastated. <laughs> Imagine. That's what's happening these days. You are looking at things from one side. You're saying, huh? That's what me, BC, put. It is true. But you, you were there when she just had a crush on the young man. At least you, you were there. Those were not there. They didn't see that part of the movie. Us were there. We watched. This girl started burning for this young man. She couldn't even behave herself. The other day, she almost kissed him. He just did a matrix view. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she es he escaped. So we know. Seducing spirits. And they know exactly how to present their stories so that all of you, with your lack of questionability, you can't question things. You just say, ha, ah, I always knew it. What did you know I knew it? <laughs> so, deception. It says, they shall deceive. The children of God, the, the electors. When the Bible says, you are a chosen generation, it means those, the word is electors, the, the hand-picked, the ones that God picked. That's why the Bible says, in the last days, some shall depart from the faith. It doesn't mean they just come as satanists. No, they were among us. But because they were fed by seducing spirit, they were snatched out of God's hand. Snatched out of God's hand. You see, they are not stupid, these spirits. They know exactly what you can pay attention to. They, they, they shall deceive even the very elect. I want you to look at the next part. It says, and they shall do... Okay. The other part says, and they shall do great signs. We've already looked at it, right? Good. Now, I want you to look at... We're going to look at one last scripture, then we're going to close. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Give it to me in the NKJV. 
Wele sale kankulumbe Wele sale kankulumbe Wele sawandi Na wamu minwe yowe Kande kulumba Remain in those hands. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns ten crowns and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power. The dragon is a devil here, right? Now, the beast, we have to figure it out. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Let's go. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. I believe this is the Antichrist. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Now, just wait. His tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. He will blaspheme the tabernacle I believe he's talking about Israel. Okay? I also believe it's talking about those who are believers because we are God's tabernacle. And those who do in heaven, at this point, rapture would have happened. So there will be some of us who would have left to go to heaven. Because, you see, there will be the first flight during rapture Wait, before you claim. (laughs) Breathe. There's going to be the first flight where the Bible says he will come like a thief in the night, you see. And then in another place it says the dead in Christ will rise and and then those who are alive shall come and meet up with him in the air. So in the first coming of the Lord Jesus, he's not going to touch the earth. He's going to be in the clouds. The dead will rise, and then us who believe, who will be alive, shall meet with them in the air, and then we shall go into heaven with him. And then the world is going to have a lot of chaos at the time because your boss would have left, your parents would have left, your best friends would have left. And then, you know, some of you will remain. Uh, <laughs> some of you will remain, and those that are going to be re- to remain 
are those who, obviously those who are not saved, but also those who are saved who are not serious. You live like a double standard life. You are neither here nor there. You are a deacon in the world and a sag in the, in the faith and a sag in the world. You are a G in the world. So, but <laughs> you are also like super safe, but you are also a, a junkie. So, what now is going to happen is you remain behind. Right? And then what's going to happen is in this period of time, there will be so many theories that the deceiver is going to start saying and producing for purposes of making those who are behind believe that maybe it was by some act of Thanos that they disappeared. There will be a lot, there'll be a lot of conspiracy theories that are going to arise to explain why even over more than a, a quarter of the world would have disappeared. And some of the theories are going to be so scientific, Muzankara ma global warming, Muzankara evolution, and then they're just going to be so believable. And you see, because the Bible says in the last days, there will be there were false prophets, just like in these days, there will be false teachers. So there will be people who will be teaching falsehood as if they were false prophets in the last days. But in this time, they are going to explain things properly, scientifically. They are going to lay down information for you. And now, you, you are now going to believe. And now, that's what he's going to do. Some of the things is going to be, those who die in heaven, what he's going to be doing, blaspheming all those who went. That's what he's talking about here. He's not just talking about God and the angels. He'll also be blaspheming the believers who have gone to be with the Lord. That, those are the ones who are in heaven. And will be watching down. And will be concerned. You know one of the things that are going to concern you. And we are going to come back with the Lord Jesus to fight at some point. The war at Armageddon. So, so we're going to come back. And they, think that, and they think they would come and fight the Lord. But he will come as Enoch prophesied, with ten thousands of his saints, and will come to crush Satan, and you'll be bound for a thousand years and thrown. But that's a, that's a whole teaching for another day, right? Yeah. So, so he will be insulting even us, but we'll be praying for those on the earth because some of our relatives will be there. Some of our sons and daughters will be there. Some of the people that we had very good relationships with, that we tried to preach to, but they said, ah, this Christianity thing, I'm thinking about it. Let's see where it goes. They will be there. So we will still need to, to pray somehow, if we're going to be allowed to pray, that they meet salvation. But here's where we are going. Let's go on. It was granted to him to make war with the saints. Not those up there, the ones down there. The ones who remain the evangelists and the senior pastors. And to overcome them in that time. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Those whose names have not been written in the 
book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So there are those who are going to worship him. Some are going to refuse, but when they refuse, they are going to be killed. So how they are going to be getting into heaven is like this. When they discover that they are not worshiping the beast, they are not doing the things that he has decreed must be done, they'll be told, would you want to change or would you want to be worshiping God? Then we'll be saying, worshiping God. <laughs> then they'll say, okay, should we shoot you or should we poison you? Which of the two would you be comfortable with? Don't worry, take your time. We're going to give you an hour to decide. Then you will say, shoot me. Then they will say, fine, he has chosen being beheaded. Oh, no, I said shooting. I said shooting. They said, no, beheading. <laughs> then they will take you there. With your jamachopa, you where they put your head there and there's a, there's a knife blade, a slicing, a heavy one. It's like maybe 20 kgs and it's coming for your neck like that. Then they will chop off your neck. Pop! And then you appear in heaven. My neck! My head! My! Then the saints will now be telling you, come down, come down, come. My head! Come down, come down. <laughs> come down, come down. But you are surprised, people are celebrating. Hey. Hallelujah! And then, I know heaven is supposed to be perfect, but the Lord will leave that mark here so that you can keep your testimony in eternity. I never used to listen. But God. <laughs> Let's go. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Let's go. He who leads into captivity should go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Some have to be patient and they must have faith until their heads are cut off. Okay, let's go. Then I saw another beast. Now this is a false prophet. The first one was the Antichrist. Now this one is a false prophet. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Are you seeing that? He had the horn of a lamb, but at the mouth of a dragon. So that means there's a way he's going to come. He's going to come like a political leader, like a lamb. But then 
you will suddenly begin to notice that he's got the mouth of a dragon. Meaning, the way he says he is and what he does will be two different things. Let's go. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. Let's go. He performs great signs. Are you seeing that? So that he even makes fire come down from heaven. Remember I told you, I'll show you in the word. So when those people were praying for fire to come down, they were not stupid. There was a power. During Elijah's day, they knew what they were doing. Except there was a higher power. The power of God. Higher power sounds. To make, <laughs> telling those who dwell in the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Let's go. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. <clears throat> Are you seeing those? When they find you're not worshiping it, they'll ask you to choose. Do you remember? So I don't know which category you. Let's go. I don't know which category excites you. <laughs> he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. By the way, um, I was watching a documentary where some of you must have seen where Elon Musk has recently had some success in implanting a chip in a person's brain that causes them to move things. So, you see, I, I was explaining in very simple terms. There, are, Okay, there have been experiments that have been happening for a long time where they want to implant a chip in a person that is going to enable them to, let's say, answer a phone by just looking at it, text by just thinking, control the remote, or move things around that can be moved electromagnetically by just sitting where they are and thinking, right? That's the kind of thing that they've been moving towards. But they say that that kind of... So they've done it on monkeys, for example. There's this experiment they did where they implant this electromagnetic chip in the brain of a monkey, and then they cause a monkey to be playing a, a, a ping pong on, on, a, on a screen. So when he hits the right spot of the ping pong, then there's a straw that's connected to juice. When he hits the right, the right spot and he hits it correctly, then juice is released and he drinks it. So he's doing it and he's, he's given a joystick. But then it happens that they have removed the joystick, they have unplugged it, and he thinks he's using a joystick, but what he's doing is that he's using his thoughts. So it's, the game is connected to the screen and to the chip inside his mind. So he's thinking he's using there, but then he's just using his mind and is able to play uh, ping pong. So they've had a number of fails, obviously, but they don't disclose. But they recently said that they had a success. So they say, they say well, we're not using normal people, but we're using people who, like, they've lost their limbs, they're paraplegic. So normally with those kinds of people who've got cerebral issues, the issue is not that the brain does not work. Is that there's a miscommunication 
of the neurons when it comes to the limbs where the message is supposed to be sent. So it's like a message is saying you should lift this. It's there, but then the neuron cannot go, let's say, past the arm. So there's no message that is reaching there. So what if we connected their mind to the things around them? <clears throat> That's where they are. So now what they did first is because, you see, the neurons or the brain cells, they are in billions. So it's very difficult to do that kind of experiment, to connect every leg or arm of the neuron to a small chip. How can you do that even if you're a gifted-handed uh, neurosurgeon? So what they did first is that they invested countless monies into a machine whose precision is unmatched. So there's a machine that has been built by the, by the, by the surgical technicians that is able to do the experiment. So it's not them that's doing the experiment. It's the brain which has got unparalleled precision in order to connect your mind to a chip. So now, it will now reach a point where, so I believe, I believe that that's where we are going. In the next 20, 12 years, that's where we are going. It will be, it will be a point where it's going to be so cheap, you can just walk into a hospital and you get a, a chip implanted in you. And that chip will enable you to, you don't have to touch your phone. You can just look at it and you can give it instructions. You can be chatting on WhatsApp whilst you're walking. People are thinking. You're, now, you see, with the algorithms that marketing companies build, there's going to be it's crazy commercial interest that you'll be sleeping and they'll be sending ads to you of things they want you to buy. Or they'll be watching your life to see exactly how you're worshipping the things you're doing. So it will not be like they'll be moving from house to house looking for who's not worshipping the beast. No. They'll look for people who don't have some of these chips. I'm not saying Elon Musk is the Antichrist. No. But you see, there are these things that are built properly by people and the devil comes to take over them to use them to his good. See that? Or to his benefit. So I believe that's what's going to happen where we are going. It will not just be paraplegic people or people who've got issues with their mind, who've got cerebral issues. It's not just going to be people who are bored, who are just like, no, me, I don't like touching my phone anymore. What if I became one with the phone? What if I became one with my computer? How about being one with it? So there's no telling what the government can do to people in their sleep. You suddenly just be happy. You know how when you're on Facebook, there are algorithms that have been built to the effects that when you watch one video for 30 seconds or somewhere there about maybe for fashion, then those kinds of videos keep coming to your feed. It's a business strategy so that the more you consume, the more money they earn. So now what begins to happen is they will now be sending things to your head. You just feel like, I need to go and buy McDonald's today. They will now be able to supply appetites because you are so connected to them. See that? So... Uh, that's where we are going to go. So it's going to be easy to do this. So they say, <clears throat> or oh, the number of his name. You, are you seeing that? And that no one may buy or sell. You know how we move to a cashless society so quickly. I thought, how is this going to be possible before we move there? But nowadays, you can just walk into a shop and do, uh, I've got Airtel money, I've got Ting, I've got Kazang, let's do Kazang. And we are able to transact like that, right? Now, it's going to move away from that. In fact, in uh, there's a country, Sweden, where they're already using chips in the hand. You just have to do your chip, and the chip is connected in your hand or your palm, and then it's connected to your bank, and then you make the transfer and things like that. And that in Sweden, that began to happen like maybe five years ago or somewhere thereabouts. Yeah, it's, we are not very far. So 
commerce is going to be, commercial transactions are going to be an impossibility at some point until you have that thing. And it will be easy. They've done experiments already. They will simply say, the, the cash, the financial system is working. And so now the only way to do it, because cash, there are sicknesses, there are pestilences. So now you have to have it in your head or on your, or on your arm. So it's gonna, it's gonna, it, that's very easy with where we are going. They can easily do that. But don't worry. You see, um, we would have gone. <laughs> I don't know if you are in the we, or you would like to remain studying science to just catch up with the world and things like that. Let's go. Here is wisdom. Let him who was understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is a number of a man. His number is 666. Let's go. Yes, Ida. Huh? <laughs> then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. Hallelujah. You see, the good part about this is when you read, there's more exciting stuff to look at after. But I don't want to excite you for now. I want you to, I want you to look at the bad side. We'll look at the good side later. Amen. All right. So this is, this is after deception, what is going to happen now is that I want us to read one last, last, last scripture. And then we'll go home. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Chapter 8. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Chapter 8. Let's look at verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, <clears throat> when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Are you seeing that? Now, this is years back, thousands of years back, Daniel was able to perceive. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. By this time, we would have left. Now, I want you to look at this, which is what I want you to see. Through his cunning, Cunningness, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. Do you know prosperity? Are you seeing that deception thing is coming again? He will cause deception to prosper. It shall not just make it, it shall prosper. You see, that's why when you're in a church like this, where you're being taught the word of God in these last days, you are okay. I'm not trying to market the church. You're free. There are many other churches that are teaching the truth. But I'm saying, in a ministry like this, which is teaching you the word, and you are able to learn, 
You're okay. Because it's equipping you for what is happening around you so that you don't fall into some of the deceptive schemes of the enemy. A minister of the gospel is God's strategy for you to prosper. Last, last, last verse. Israel chapter 6 verse 14. And the Bible reads, And the elders, Israel chapter 6 verse 14. And the elders of the Jews builded KJV. And they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. They builded and finished it. The Bible says they built through the prophesying. Now, the word prophesying there also means preaching. And more accurately, it comes from a word which means preaching. There are two words that means prophesying. One prophesying means preaching, inspired preaching. Another one means to predict. This one is talking about inspired preaching. So imagine God brings you a man in the last days. Who is your strategy for your prosperity? And through his preaching, can you imagine? It says they managed to build the whole city through the preaching of the prophets. As the prophets were teaching them the word of God, there was power to preserve them because they were also being attacked. They were being stopped by enemies. But that preaching had power in it to preserve them. And that preaching and power to make them prosper in the thing that they had set themselves to do. So the preaching of a servant of God, the gift of a servant of God, is God's strategy for you. Not just your preservation, but your prosperity. Amen. Okay, we are ready to go home. We can stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah.